this new series, People of the Cross. Everybody say, People of the Cross. I know we do a lot of standing and sitting and confessing and repeating, but hey, listen, it's church. It's a powerful place to confess the Word of God. It's a powerful place to stand, to worship. Today, as we start this series, it's been so on my heart to preach a message, a few weeks series on why we do what we do. What is what does it mean to be a Christian in the 21st century? What does it mean to be the people of the cross? Who are the people of the cross? What is the persecuted church? What fate awaits the people of the cross? Where is persecution happening? Why is it happening? What's our response to the persecuted church? To missionaries who are being slain? To Christians who are being beheaded? What do we do about that? And this month, we're going to focus on that. I believe it's going to be a powerful series. Today is a little bit different. But I believe next week, the word God's put in my heart, I've already been preparing the message for next week, and it's one of the most important messages that I think Tulsa needs to hear. So if you live anywhere near Tulsa or in Tulsa or in Oklahoma, don't miss next week. Turn to the person next to you, don't miss next week. Part two of this series. But I want you to lift your Bible to Romans chapter 1, verse 16, kind of a key scripture for today. What drives these people to stand for Jesus, what drives him to hold to the cross? Romans 1.16, Paul was a martyr who died at age 64 because he refused to deny that Jesus Christ was his Lord. And he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and then the Greek. Paul said, I'm not ashamed, unashamed of the gospel. In other words, Paul said, I'm in it to win it. I am all in. You can't shut me up. You can't keep me quiet. You can't put me in a corner. I'm unashamed. I'm going to speak bold. I'm going to come all out and tell everybody that Jesus is the reason. He's the Savior. He's the way. One other scripture I want you to look at is Luke 9, 23. Jesus said, anyone who wants to follow me must deny himself and take up his cross annually, weekly, just on Sundays, daily, and follow me. For anyone who wants to save his life actually loses it, but whoever loses his life for my sake saves it. What profit is a man if he gains the whole world, if you get tons of dollars and you, you make all this money and you get all this fame and all this popularity and you're the coolest person and yet you don't keep your soul? What profit is it if a man gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? And that's what this series is about, is that we would keep our soul, that we'd save the souls of this world, people who need to know about Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you stumbled in here because you saw a car wash outside. Maybe someone dragged you in here, or maybe they lied to you and told you that you were going to meet a girl here today. And maybe you might meet that girl today, but you're in the right place. Whether you meant to come today or you didn't mean to come, you're in the right place. Today's message is just for you. And so today we're going to say this all together, a victory confession. You don't have to repeat after me. We're going to say it at the same time on the count of three. One, two, three. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days. And I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Give us victory. Let us leave refreshed, encouraged, challenged, renewed. And Lord, let us be reminded of why we are here, what our purpose is, that it's bigger 
than what we see. Lord, help us, Jesus, to leave today with just a sense of hope, a sense of strength, of peace, of grace. Lord, that we would leave today feeling forgiven, washed, renewed, redeemed, empowered, equipped to do what we're called to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Give someone a high five as you're being seated today. Thank you, Mark. As you can see behind me, we have the continents of the world. And these, you've got Australia, you've got Asia, you've got Eastern Europe, and you've got the Russian Federation up there, Africa, and South America, Central America. Hey, if I say your continent, you just make some noise. South America. Africa. Europe. <laughs> Middle East. All right, India, Asia. Anyone from Asia here? The Russian Federation, Australia. Some of y'all want to be from Australia. How about Central America over here? How about North America? Where's the North Americans at? Any Canadians, eh? Any Canadians in the house? Okay. You know, I was thinking about how our church is made up of every nation, every tribe, every tongue. That's what heaven's going to be like. It's not just going to be one color, one race, one generation. We are multi-generational and multi-ethnic, multinational here at Victory. You get a little taste of heaven when you come to Victory. But you might look at what are these dots on these continents? What do they mean? These white dots represent the missionaries that we support on a monthly basis as a church. We have missionaries there in every continent that we're supporting, that we're partnering with, that are sharing the gospel. But what do the colored dots mean? You see the white dots. The white dots represent the missionaries. But what about the pink and the orange and the green? What does that mean? And I want to share with you today a little bit about the persecuted church. See, when I was 21, I had been saving up, mowing lawns. I had worked different jobs. I was a mascot for the Tulsa 66ers. I was part of a real estate agency. I just I worked anywhere and everywhere just to make enough money to go on missions. And I was saving up to go to China. I wanted to go to China so bad. And so we got to China and our first night, we were in Beijing and the missionaries there told our small team of 17, you're going to go and, and meet with someone who's very special, very important here to the church in China. And it's very important that we do it in a discreet location because we could go to prison for meeting with this man and talking what we're about to talk about. And we were like, uh, I didn't sign up for that, you know. <laughs> but we went and we walked behind these buildings in a very dark place and then to a restaurant and then the back of the restaurant. They walked us through these hallways and there was these sliding doors that you would see on different movies like samurai movies. And so we walked into this back room and they slid the door and it was very dimly lit. And they said, sit down on the floor. We sat down. And then walked this fragile, 90-year-old Chinese man. And you could see the pain, the bruises, the suffering this man had been through. And yet he had a smile. And he sat down on the floor with us. And he began to tell us his story. He said, in the 60s, I fell in love with Jesus. I met Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I realized how much he loved me. That he had died for me. And I couldn't help but share it with others. I wanted them to know about Jesus. But they told us that we weren't allowed to talk about Jesus. We weren't allowed to spread the gospel. We weren't allowed to have Bibles or read Bibles or share Bibles with others. And so 
I began to do it secretly. I would get Bibles and pass them out in the middle of the night. I would go and meet with other Christians. And I would meet in these small homes where they call the underground church. They began to tell us about the underground church in China. In these rooms where people would meet beneath the ground in basements of houses. People who would pray and they would worship and they would fellowship together secretly because the government controlled any type of religion that would come in. He said, I got caught. And they put me in prison. They said, we'll let you out of prison if you recant that you believe in Jesus. If you tell us you'll stop spreading the gospel, we'll let you out. He said, I can't do that because my heart beats for Jesus. My heart beats for people who need Jesus. And so they kept him in prison. And while he was in prison, he told us that he shared the gospel with other inmates. He started leading people to Jesus. And they didn't like that, so they put him in solitary confinement for 30 years. He sat in prison. And I started to feel sorry for him. I felt this sympathy. He said, don't feel sorry for me. He said, it was my joy. It was my joy to be persecuted for believing and standing in Jesus. And he began to tell us scriptures about suffering and persecution that I guess I just didn't really think about that often. He said, we're invited to suffer like Jesus suffered. But it's not meant to be dreaded or fearful or something that's painful. It's meant to be a joy. The martyrs of the early church, it was a joy for them to give their lives for Jesus. And I remember leaving that day as we walked out. We could bring the lights up. As we walked out of that room thinking, would I have the guts, the boldness to stand in a country where persecution happens every day against Christians? Would I be able to stand and be a person of the cross? See, we see that phrase across the news as these 21 Coptic Egyptian Christians were kidnapped by ISIS and beheaded simply because they believed in Jesus. And they called them the people of the cross, the people of the cross, these violent people, they said. But see, on the video, on, on the, 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 the news that shows all these Christians being hurt, there's no violence. There's no retaliation, no anger, no revenge, no grabbing these terrorists and choking them or cursing at them. It's simply almost like a joy that I'm dying for what I believe in, for what I stand for. And sometimes I think we as the American church, we're oblivious or we just turn a blind eye to it. We just kind of ignore. We don't really think there's anything we can do. And so we don't talk about it or think about it. And so this month, I want us to put it on the forefront of our minds why we should be thinking about the persecuted church and what is our response to do. And someone asked me, Paul, with a series like this, what are the action steps for people here in Oklahoma, the action steps for people that are part of Victory? And I'm glad they asked because this series will have more action steps than any other series we've had. Today, I'm going to give you four specific action steps out of the five that you can start doing today. And you don't even have to leave the country or get a passport. But you can decide today, I'm going to be mission-minded in my heart. See, we're a missional church. We're not just a church for church people. We are a church for lost people. And we are a church that's passionate about reaching the lost. Because God's heart beats for lost people. And so the church heart should beat for lost people. We're not just here to make you feel comfortable and convenient and tell you what you want to hear and make your ears feel tickled. We are here to reach lost people. And we will do anything short of sin to reach the lost. We will reach lost people for Jesus. And it might bother some religious people who want to keep it all us four and no more. You might not like a church that reaches lost people, but I'm telling you, it's God's heartbeat. 
Any church that's not seriously involved in missions has forfeited its right to even exist. Any church that's not seriously involved with missions, with reaching lost people locally and globally, has forfeited its right to even exist. Because Jesus said, this is the great commission. Not the great option, not the great suggestion. This is the great commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Baptizing them, making disciples. This is why we're here. This is why we exist. And so five ways we respond to missions. Five ways we respond to missions. Number one, we remember. Number one, we remember the persecuted church. Paul said in Hebrews 13 verse 3, Remember those who are in prison for the gospel. As though you were prison, you were in prison with them. In other words, realize that you too could be in prison for the gospel. We're not far from the day here in America where persecution is coming closer and closer to home if you stand as a Bible-believing Christian. We are a church that will not back down from the values and the morals and the Word of God that was written 2,000 years ago. It's still relevant and real today for us as a church. We're not changing God's Word. We're not preaching a new doctrine, a new theology. We're preaching the Word of God. So we remember those who are being persecuted. Because we realize we could be in prison with them too. And Paul says, remember them as if you are with them there. It's easy for us to forget. It's easy for us to be so engulfed and engaged in downtown Tulsa and South Tulsa, West Tulsa and Sepulpa and Bixby, Broken Arrow, our community. What's going on there? I want to go eat pizza today. I want to go watch a sports game. And that's fine. It's okay to have a life. But just don't forget there's people all over the world that are risking their life for you. To spread the gospel. Don't forget there's people out there that are in chains because they refuse to deny Jesus as Lord. And let that kind of bother you a little bit. It's okay to be bothered. You say, well, Paul, I don't want to be bothered. I just want to come to church and be comfortable and eat crackers and juice. I don't want to feel any conviction. I want to go to a church when they don't convict me. Where you're going to get convicted at victory. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. Because this Bible is offensive. The cross is offensive. The message of Jesus is not an invitation to comfort or convenience. It's an invitation to an uncomfortable, inconvenient life that is worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Anything you sacrifice on this earth is worth what you will gain in heaven. The people of the cross are not about convenience and comfort. The people of the cross are about Jesus. They're about reaching lost people. And so we remember those who are in chains. And number two, we pray. Paul says pray for those who are spreading the gospel. He said in Colossians chapter 4 verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful and pray for us too that God would open the door for the message to spread. So number one, we remember. And then our remembrance drives us to prayer. Lord, we pray for missionaries all over the world that are sharing the gospel. We pray for their protection. You know, you might think, well, Paul, what is my prayers going to do? I'm here. They're there. They're in Cambodia. They're in Myanmar. They're in uh, uh, Somalia. What is my prayers going to do for the persecuted church? Where is the persecuted church? Well, those colors on that map represented all the areas where persecution is happening. In fact, I'm going to throw a map up on the screen of the areas where the persecution is the worst. The red represents the most extreme persecution. And the top ten nations for that are North Korea then Somalia, then Iraq, then Syria, Afghanistan, Sudan, Iran, Pakistan, Eritrea, and Nigeria. In these countries, 
where persecution is happening. They will take anyone that they see praying, reading a Bible, talking about Jesus, and they will shoot them on the spot. Children. They will shoot children in the head. They will behead men and women, mothers, daughters, sons, fathers. It doesn't matter how good you are, how great you look. If you're a Christian, you are a threat to what they're trying to do with their religion or their government in those countries. And so we pray for them. We pray for their protection. And we pray that the message will spread rapidly. Paul says pray that doors would be open. You want more scriptures about prayer? Let me give you three more. 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 2 says, Lord, please... Let our brothers and sisters pray for us. Lord, let them pray that, the, that the, your message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes. And please pray too that we will be saved from wicked and evil people because not everyone wants to hear the message. You know, it's amazing what missionaries will tell us testimonies of how our prayers have helped save them and open the door for them to share the gospel. One of the stories that came in, this is a pretty amazing story. This missionary who was on furlough, he was kind of coming back to raise support to go back to Africa. This is a true story. He was sharing this story with his home church. And he said, while I was serving a small field hospital in Africa, every two weeks I had to travel by bicycle. A lot of these missionaries don't have cars. So they walk or they get a bicycle. He said, I would have to go through the jungle to nearby cities to get supplies, to get medicine, to get money and then come back. And it took me two days to go back and forth to these cities and I would have to camp overnight in the jungle. One night as I was coming back, I saw two men who were fighting and one of them was seriously injured. And so I stopped because people of the cross are good Samaritans. I treated him for his injuries and at the same time I shared the gospel with him. That's amazing. I talked to him about Jesus and I traveled two days camping overnight in the jungle. I finally got back home. No incidents happened. No accidents Two weeks later, I had to go back through the same area. As I was traveling back, this man stopped me on my way in. It was the same man that I had helped that day on the road. He said, me and my friends had been following you. We knew you had money and we knew you had medicine. Our plan was to kill you that night in the jungle. We were going to take your money, take your medicine, and leave you for dead. Just as we were about to move into your campsite, we saw you were surrounded by 26 armed guards in the jungle that night. The missionary laughed. He said, I was clearly by myself. No one was with me. The man pleaded. He said, no, 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 sir. Me and my five friends, we all saw, we counted them. 26 armed guards were surrounding you. And because they were guarding you, we didn't kill you that night. You just need to know those guards stopped us from killing you. As this missionary was telling his story to his home church in Michigan, one of the men in the church stood up. He said, he interrupted him. He said, when was that exact night? What was the date? The missionary told him the date. The man began to tell him this story. He said, that same day, it was, it was nighttime for you in Africa. It was morning here for us. He said, I was getting ready to play a game of golf. And I was about to putt the ball when I felt the urge in my spirit to pray for you. In fact, the urging of the Lord for praying was so strong on me, I called the men in the church to meet me here in the sanctuary to pray for you. The missionary said, would all the men who pray for me please stand up? I just want to honor you. He wasn't looking for who was standing. He was too busy counting how many stood. There was 26 men who stood in the church. I'm telling you, church, your prayers matter. Prayers stop the enemy. Stop the terrorism. You don't think your prayers matter? I'm telling you today, the testimony of prayer is real. It is real. And we have prayer every day you can be part of.
See, you don't even have to leave the country. You can start praying right now for missionaries. You can pray this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 6.30 a.m. We have prayer in our chapel. We have prayer throughout the day. During the week, men's groups that come together. I've got a group that gets together and prays. Every Tuesday morning, you can pray. And when you pray, pray for missionaries. Pray for their protection. Pray that the message would spread. Pray that they would be lifted and encouraged and not be discouraged. Number three, what can we do? Our response to missions is we sow. We sow into missions. I'm not talking about needle and thread. I'm talking about financially. We sow into missions. When you sow into victory, you sow into missions because every month we support those missionaries. Those dots on those continents represent names, faces, orphanages, churches, Bible schools. Well, Paul, I just, I really like to put my missions budget towards entertainment. I'd like to go see a couple movies this month. I'd like to go do some different things. I, I can't really give to missions anymore. Those represent names, faces, orphanages, Bible schools, churches. Let it sink in. Let it mess with you a little bit because when you sow $1, $2, $3, you are helping rescue people that these missionaries are touching. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, I'm not here to beg for your money. Philippians 4, verse 13. He says, let me just tell you something. Let's go there together. Philippians 4, and I believe it's actually verse 10. I apologize. Philippians 4, verse 10. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that you at, at last started caring for me. In other words, he's saying, thank you for sowing into the mission of the gospel. He said, I, I'm so thankful that you did it. Other people weren't doing it. Other people have given up on me, and it's not that I need it. I've learned to be content in all cases. These missionaries are going without so much. While we here in America are so blessed. The fact that you live in America, you are among the wealthiest top percentage in the world. You are so blessed. These missionaries are living without shoes, living in mud huts, riding a bicycle miles every day just to share the gospel. And Paul says, thank you. Thank you for remembering us missionaries. And thank you that your remembrance didn't just stop with awareness. and didn't just stop at prayer. That it went on to sowing. That you actually knew that you could be part of the mission's work. Though you couldn't go, you could sow. And you sowed into missions. And Paul said, verse 14, nevertheless, you have done so well sharing in my distress. You Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Let us be the church that never stops sowing into missions. While other churches might stop and say, we're going to put it in here. We're just going to take care of us. We're not going to think about the the world lord let us burn with passion to reach the world the great commission is on our hearts it's on our minds it's on our mission our vision here as a church and paul says this he says listen even in thessalonica you sent aid not just once but twice you helped me out not that i'm seeking your money but i seek the fruit that abounds to your account you hear what paul's saying the fruit that abounds to your account. In other words, you are part of the harvest of the souls he's reaching all over the world. See, when we sow into missions, little do we know that we're sowing into reaching people for Jesus in Oaxaca, Mexico, in Guatemala, in Panama, in uh, Honduras, in uh, 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 Nicaragua, in Nigeria, in Sierra Leone, in Egypt, and in uh, Middle East, in Iraq, and in Somalia, and in Madagascar. When we sow, we are helping Lead people to Jesus. Paul says, if you just knew the people that you're reaching, you would be so inspired to give even more. Number four, our response to missions is that we go. We go on missions. You know, one thing I love about this church is that we've always sent people on missions. 
We've sent people to go on missions. There's no substitute for going and experiencing the amazing thing that God does in your life when you go on a missions trip. Go on one. Maybe you've never been on one. Maybe you went on one 20 years ago. I encourage you to go again. You can come this summer with us to Dominican Republic. All ages are invited to join us on a missions trip. Wouldn't that be amazing if like 3,000 people went on missions one year from Victory? That would just be awesome. But if you can't go, so for someone else to go and your family, your daughter, your son, your husband, your wife. I've heard stories of husbands giving up finances that they were going to use to buy things for them, toys that they wanted to have so that their wife could go on a missions trip. How amazing is that? Heard the same thing about wives doing that for their husbands. Moms and dads doing that for their kids. Because there's something special about going on the missions field and sharing the gospel with people in need. They need what we have. They need what's inside you. I want to share a few quotes from missionaries who've gone over the years on missions and things that they've said. David Livingstone, one of the greatest missionaries, he said, sympathy is no substitute for action. If a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? That's good right there. If the president asked you to do something, wouldn't that be an honor? I mean, if it was the right thing. It would be an honor. And yet, sometimes we look at God asking us to go on a mission trip. Well, that's a real sacrifice. That's a real sacrifice. I just, man, that's a real, it's a huge sacrifice on my plate, my career. That's going to get in the way of everything. That's an honor. It's an honor. Lord. Jesus. I want to go back to Africa one day. I want to go and touch people with Jesus. I want to share the gospel in Eastern Europe, Poland. I want to share the gospel in India and the Russian Federation. Lord, I want to be part of what you're doing across the earth. It's an honor. It's an honor. This is not a show. This is not something that we just occasionally talk about. This is it. This is life. This is the life beat of our church. It's an honor to go on missions. To be used for God. And you can go. You can go on an outreach this month with victory. You can be part of our Dream Center outreaches that happen during the week. You can be part of going on an outreach with mobile kids trucks. Going to the food pantry. You yourself could go and bless some people downtown. Go help out at the homeless shelter. One of Ashley and I's first date was going to the homeless shelter on a Friday night. And serving soup to the homeless people. See, you can go on a mission trip. Getting out of your comfort zone. It's funny because people think, yeah, 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 um, but I didn't sign up for that, <laughs> you know. I didn't sign up for the uncomfortable, inconvenient thing. And the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus said, when you find yourself in situations that are uncomfortable, the comforter comes. He comes to tell you what to say and what to do. You don't need a comforter if you're already comfortable. Why would you need the Holy Spirit if you're super convenient and comfortable in your chair, doing what you love to do in your career, enjoying your entertainment? The Holy Spirit shows up when you're in the most uncomfortable, inconvenient situations. And man, He gives you strength. His grace is made perfect in our weakness. We can't do this on our own. We need Him. And so we go on missions. Here's another uh, quote from, from missionaries. Hudson Taylor, he said, If I had 1,000 lives, I would give them all for China. Henry Martin said, The Spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The nearer we get to Christ the more intensely missionary we become. 
Robert Moffat, he said, In the vast plain of the north I have sometimes seen in the morning sun the smoke of a thousand villages where no missionary has ever been. When David Livingstone heard that quote, it drove him to leave his comfort zone and go on missions. I want to invite our short-term missions director, Jason, up here real quick to share a story of what happened in his life when he stepped out and went on missions. He went to Iraq just last year. And what God did in his life, remember, Iraq is one of the highly persecuted countries of the world. And, Ben, I want you to come up as we get ready to close. Jason, share your testimony. Yeah, as he said, um, this summer I got an opportunity to go to Iraq. And uh, we went with a small group of people. And because of, as you saw in the graphic earlier, it being the third most highly persecuted uh, country in the world for Christians, we were limited a little bit in what we were able to do openly evangelical. But we were able to to do a lot of great things, plant a lot of good seeds, uh, just show people the love of Christ, love on them, be Jesus uh, everywhere we went. We got to, to see God do some awesome things, but we didn't have really salvations because of our limitations. We didn't get to pray that salvation prayer with a lot of people. And on the very last night, uh, we had finished all of our ministry sites, we had finished everything we were doing. On the very last night, we had to be at the airport at midnight to, to start our long journey home. And... Um, we went to a restaurant about 9 o'clock, and we were just going to pass the last couple hours while we were there, uh, hang out, eat our last meal. And our waiter started taking our order, and he was actually Syrian, the, the fourth most highest persecuted country. And he had fled from Syria because that's where ISIS was at the time. And he had fled Syria to northern Iraq, and he, was, he had gotten a job waiting tables at a restaurant in Iraq the third most highly persecuted nation. And we were there, we were actually there three days after ISIS had invaded um, Iraq. And so now we were working with all these Syrian refugees and now they were afraid where they had fled from, all of that was coming into them. But that, um, I was talking to this guy, Jag, who was our waiter, Syrian refugee. And he had learned just enough English to be able to take orders from people that spoke English off of the menu. After we had eaten our meal, we still had an hour to just sit there and wait until we had to go to the airport. I started, I just felt led to start talking to him and I asked him to come sit down. And he sat down at our table and I started talking to him. And for the next hour, I had the most incredible conversation of my life with this guy, Jag. Every five minutes, he interrupted me and said, I don't know how this is happening, but I don't, I can't speak English, but I understand every word that you're saying. And, and so I started telling him all about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And then I started telling him about the Bible, but he couldn't read my Bible because my Bible is in English and he wanted a Bible so bad. Well, we knew a contact there who had Bibles on reserve for opportunities like this hidden in his, in his house. And so we ran and got him a Bible and my friend Bobby Parks went and got him a Bible, came back. And then Bobby started showing him stuff and talking to him because I was talking to him. The guy looked at Bobby and said, and looked at me and he's like, I don't understand anything he's saying. <laughs> and I looked back at Bobby and was like, I don't know why this, but I got this. Um, so I just kept talking to him and I started showing him scriptures in the Bible and he, he kept telling me everything that he had grown up with his religion, it just, he knew it wasn't, it wasn't right. There's was so much evil in the people of their religion. And he just said, everything I started explaining to him, he kept saying, that makes sense. I've never, I've never heard this before and this answers all of my questions why I don't believe the other stuff 
And so I started, and he just said, I want to read this Bible. And I started talking about the prayer of salvation. He said, I want to read this Bible, and then I think I want to give my life to the Lord. And I said, I don't want you to read the Bible first. Now is the time. Let's give your life to the Lord, and then I want you to fall in love with this book. And then we were able to get a translator in five minutes before we're getting on the van to go to the airport. A translator came over, and we were able to lead Jag in the, prayer, the salvation prayer. When I opened my eyes, I was bawling. I looked at him, and I have never seen a more imminent light coming out of someone's face. He was so excited. In that moment, I knew that his life was forever changed. We got him connected to that guy that had the Bibles in the church that he was with. It was so incredible. Our, our uh, motto with Victory Mission is to be the one to reach the one. That was one person, and it was so worth it. Praise God. Give Jason a big hand. Number five. Don't miss this. This is so important. Number five, carry your cross. Carry your cross. Carry your cross. Jesus said, anyone who wants to come after me and be a disciple must deny himself and take up his cross daily to follow after me. Carry your cross. All of us have a cross to carry, unexpected crosses. We don't realize. See, the people of the cross are people of forgiveness. The people of the cross are people who do God's will even when it hurts, even when it's uncomfortable. The people of the cross are peacemakers. They're bridge builders. You know what a bridge builder is? It's a person who becomes a bridge between someone else and Jesus. You know what that looks like? Let's say that, that monitor right there is somebody and the podium is Jesus. It's you laying your life down so that they can get to Jesus. And when you're a bridge, sometimes you get walked on. Sometimes it's uncomfortable because people have to find Jesus through you. Does your life lead people to Jesus or repel people from Jesus? Do your words, do your actions at your workplace, in your marriage? I need some helpers. Is there a mom in the room that would be willing to step up? I need a mom, just a brave, bold mom. Let's give this mom a big hand. This right here. Is there a father? I need a father, just a good dad, a bold, brave dad to stand up. Would you carry this cross that John's going to hand you? Is there a dad that would stand up? This man in the green is going to wear. He's going to carry the cross. I need a teenager. Where's a teenager at? I need one teenager. Just jump up here. Yes, sir. Come on over here. I need a teenager, and I need a college student. Is there a college student that would come? A college student that would get out from your seat? Yes, ma'am. Come on over here. And Reuben. Okay, awesome. I want you guys to go and stand in the aisles to hold your cross. Because carrying the cross means carrying your cross as a dad, the way that you treat your children. Carrying your cross means carrying your cross as a mom, being there for your kids. You say, well, Paul, I can't go on a mission trip right now. Yeah, but you can carry your cross into your house. You can carry your cross as a college student on your college campus, sharing the gospel with other friends, other people who need Jesus. As a teenager, you can carry your cross into your high school, sharing the gospel with other friends, walking in forgiveness. Carry your cross into your marriage, husbands by laying your life down for your wives. Wives, carry your cross into marriage by laying your life down for your husband. See, we're all called to carry the cross. We're all called to be people of the cross. May not be easy. May mean that you have to deny your flesh, which you want sometimes. But the call is there. Pick up your cross and follow Jesus. I remember as a kid going to Mexico driving in this bus and these kids were running after the bus no shoes no shirt living in Juarez there was a place called Trash Can City 
These kids lived in the dump. They didn't have homes. They lived in the trash. They came running after our bus. We came to bring them beans, rice, and Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Doesn't get better than that. We passed out beans. We passed out rice. And then we gave them Bibles and introduced them to Jesus Christ. These kids were getting saved. Their frowns were turning to smiles. And then I got in the van, and I was listening to my Walkman, and I heard this song playing by Stephen Curtis Chapman. We will abandon it all for the sake of the call. No other reason at all but the sake of the call. Holy, devoted to live and to die for the sake of the call. I remember listening to those words and I heard God say, Paul, will you carry your cross back home? It's easy to do it in Mexico. It's hard to do it in Tulsa. It's easy to do it in Nigeria. Well, maybe it's not that easy. In fact, it's very difficult in some of these countries. But sometimes it's even more difficult to do it in your own home, with your family, with your workers, your co-workers, your employees, where you go to where do you go and eat, quick trip, all those places. My challenge for us this month is that we would be lit with a passion and a fire to share Jesus, to want to know Jesus, to want to pray and sow into missions, to want to go on missions and want to carry our cross. I want to end by showing you a video of what's happening around the world and why this is such an important time and hour for us to stand, to carry our cross, to pray. Don't leave during this moment. I promise I will dismiss you to go eat at Golden Corral very soon. I know I always say that. Or Ryan's Steakhouse or Panda Express, wherever you're going to go. But sometimes our mind is, is so focused on the temporary things that we're missing the eternal reason of why we exist. Guys, you exist for more than Panda Express. You exist for more than Sonic Lunch on Sunday afternoon. Stay a few extra minutes at church. I promise it'll be worth your time. But watch this video, and as you see it, let your heart break a little bit of why you exist, your purpose, and what it means to carry the cross. This is the people of the cross. You know, it is a very dangerous time to be a Christian. Torture, beheadings, destruction the of... The highest level of persecution of Christians. A church congregation barricading themselves in from hundreds of riot police. ...are enduring attacks for their faith like Along never with the before. savage kidnappings of Christian schoolgirls in Nigeria by Boko Haram and the burning of Christian Images churches. of violence dominate headlines. Christians are being warned they have a choice. Convert to Islam, pay a very steep price or face death. Chilling new video showing the beheading of 21 Egyptian Christians. Beheadings of 21 Christians. 21 Christian men beheaded by Islamic State. The title of the video is a message signed with blood to the nation of we the cross. The, the sharpest jump in violent uh, attacks against Christians. We need to make the persecuted church an issue of prayer.
they refuse to deny Jesus as Lord. I want us to stand to our feet this morning. Let's honor those men by giving them a hand clap right now. Heaven cheered those men on. I don't know what God's doing in your heart, but I know what he's doing in mine. This whole weekend, I've been fighting back tears because I want Jesus to use me in these last days. I know we are on the verge of the greatest revival that's ever hit the world. And this church could be part of it. We could just be a part of what God's getting ready to do in these last days. But he's looking for people who are awake, people who are alert, people who are realizing that now is the time to stand, to pray, to sow, to go, to carry your cross, to carry your cross here in Tulsa, to carry your cross with your family, to carry your cross in your marriage, to carry your cross into the workplace, to pray for missionaries, maybe to be a dot on one of those continents one day. Maybe your heart is breaking right now for a continent, for a country, and you realize that God is doing something in you this weekend. You realize that right now God's calling you to stand than more than you've been standing in the past, to speak louder, to become more bold. And you're saying, Paul, I need strength. I need the courage. I need God's power, the Holy Spirit. If that's you, I want you to step out from your seat. Come meet me down here at this altar. Come and stand by this cross. You know God's calling you to take a greater stand, to speak more vocally, to be more bold, to step out, to go on a mission trip, to sow into missionaries. Maybe you've not been giving like you should into missions. Maybe God's stirring in your heart right now to even just write a check to these teenagers going on missions just to sow into what God's doing. Maybe you're here today and you're not right with God. Maybe you've walked away from God. Maybe you've been doing your own thing, but today you're saying, I'm ready to pick up my cross and follow Jesus. I want to be part of what God's doing in these last days. God, I want to burn for you. Start a revival in me, in my heart, in my home, in my dorm room, in my apartment, in our family, in our marriage. Lord, revive us to want to know you. Lord, to pray, to stand, to be vocal, to be bold, to share the gospel, and to carry our cross. Right now, I'm going to ask us all to take just a few minutes to pray for the persecuted church all over the world. We watched the video. We don't realize, and maybe today we're starting to realize, underground churches are meeting this very morning, except for it's nighttime for them. People are meeting in Somalia, Iraq, North Korea, Christians who are gathering that if they were found, they could be beheaded today, tomorrow. And I want us to pray. I want us to pray that the message would spread. I want us to pray for the persecutors. I want us to pray that they would see Jesus, that they would wake up and turn from this religion that's driving them towards hatred and violence, and that they would wake up to God's love. Lord, we pray right now, and if you're new to victory and you're not used to the Holy Spirit, don't get scared. This is a gift that God wants to give you. We believe.
believe as a church that these gifts, as we pray, God gives us the utterance of what to pray for even when we don't know how to pray. And so church, we're going to pray right now. We're going to pray for these missionaries. We're going to pray for the persecuted church. God, we pray right now for those who are in India. Lord, we pray, God, that you would give them strength and courage to stand. We pray for those in the Middle East. God, we pray right now, Lord, for the persecutors to wake up, to see you, to find you. Lord, to give their lives to you. Stop those who are trying to stop the gospel. Stop those who are trying to stop the spread of it. Lord, we pray for strength for Christians in the Russian Federation, in North Korea areas, down in Southeast Asia, in Australia. God, those who are in Europe, in Eastern Europe, in Africa, in Egypt up there, God, in South America, all over Central America, Canada, North America. God, we pray for an awakening, a revival in Jesus' name. Wake up the church!